Hi, and welcome to the Saxophone Academy podcast. I'm Dr. Wally Wallace, and on this episode, I chat with my amazing co-host, Dr. Susan Fancher, about improvisation outside of jazz. Hey, if you have a question for the podcast, feel free to reach out. You can email me, wally at thesaxophoneacademy.com. Hope you enjoy the episode. Okay, Wally, here we are. We are here. So we just talked for a half hour with the mics off. Now what are we going to talk about? (laughs) You know, let me... me, uh, What could we talk about if we have nothing prepared? I guess we'll <laughs> oh, come have on. We're to. We're always prepared, Wally. <laughs> improvise. What? We're going to improvise. Did you see that segue? I see what you did you there. You see what I did there? That was clever. You're a clever guy there, well, Wally. <laughs> I assure you I'm not. But why that, that transition? I'm, I'm actually yeah. rather pleased with myself. I know. Um, I can see that you are. So we gotta, I can see you. <laughs> I know. We're back in person today. Yay. Thanks, negative home. COVID testing yeah. kits. Oh, man. My, I'm so sorry you had to go through that. Oh, thanks. I'm fine. Everyone's fine. Wife is, re- wife is recovered. Is she back at work or not yet? She is. She's back, yeah. Okay, It's good. been the, the time and multiple negative tests and everything's oh, fine. Geez. But breakthrough infection. The Delta yeah. variant, even though she was fully vaccinated. It's happening. Yeah, it's happening. So be I'm careful. I'm sorry. I'm glad she's better and you guys are all okay. Thanks. I'm glad um, I have childcare again. <laughs> Yay! I, I mean, super happy my wife is feeling good. Well, of course. But, but, of course. First and foremost. But now the babysitter's <laughs> back in the house. So we let's talk about what's really important. But, but so we're, if we're not prepared, we have to improvise. We have to improvise. So we got a question about non-jazz improvisation. Yeah. Is there such a thing, Sue? Oh man, this whole thing, it sent me down a rabbit hole this, this week. I've been thinking, what is improvisation? What's the difference? And how do we define what's improvised and what's improvised? And oh yeah, by the way, what actually is jazz? Holy cow. I got so, some long emails from you. Oh, I'm not going to, I'm not going <laughs> to. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. No, I, I mean, it's good. I read them. <laughs> I never do. Oh, good to know. I'm kidding. <laughs> just kidding. get therapy for me. I can just write these emails to Wally. Dear <laughs> therapist, <laughs> this is what I've been thinking about. But first of all, what is jazz? I mean, what is jazz? You think about Ornette Coleman and then you think about like the old New Orleans style stuff and they're so different. And then you think about Michael Brecker and you think about the Brecker brothers and that that kind of stuff and R&B and I mean blues what's what is jazz I mean and what is not jazz holy cow it's Kenny G jazz oh I mean I think it is but a lot of people who are real jazz players would be like yeah jazzy <laughs> pop music yeah is, okay is all, that's where I'll hang my hat jazzy okay. pop music and there's a lot of classical music that is jazzy and we say oh I it's know. jazzy so is the Schulhoff sonata hot sonata is it jazz or is it not jazz jazz inspired is Ebert jazz inspired is it jazzy I don't know we'll never answer that question <sighs> but what what is improvisation then well okay so I think we can agree that some music is written down. And some music is not written down, but not I'll, all. I'll allow it. No, I think that's music. It's either written <laughs> or not written down. And the written down stuff is a pretty special is a pretty special category of music. But within the not written down stuff, some is it fair to say some stuff is r- improvised, but some stuff is strictly speaking not really improvised. It's like passed down in an oral tradition. Right. Right. It might. It might be something that's already made up that then I I play and then you copy, but then you might like improvise on that by changing it a little bit. So ah. I think there's all kinds of gray areas I came up with right. when I was thinking and, about this. Well, and there's like different levels. And in jazz, yeah. you say, what is jazz? I mean, we 
knowing it's the define it, I mean, you know, musicologists keep redefining it. Not that they you okay. know, get the final word. But, right. you know, when we think about <laughs> jazz, if we had to, like, say what most people think of it, you know, like, well, there's, you know, songs and there's chord changes and you improvise by soloing over the chord changes, which then, you know, a lot of people, not correctly in my opinion, think that improvising is outlining chord changes, playing chord changes. Yeah. But if you think about how much improvised music is out there where there's no chord changes. Right. Are they not improvising? Or why does jazz have to be, so I think it's ridiculous. Right. Especially the roots coming from heterophony where someone would sing a melody and then someone would sing a slightly altered melody on top of it. Yeah. Heterophonic texture. Yes. And so it's improvised, but it's not something completely new. It's elaborating or ornamenting what's already there. And that's a form of yeah, improvisation. Yeah, happened way back when. <laughs> oh, yes. And I think multiple cultures all across the world, probably yeah. given to us by aliens, if you think about oh, it. Oh, certainly. Like, you know, yeah. like Stonehenge and the Mayan ruins. <laughs> Be careful and, and, we're going to start some And heterophony. <laughs> yeah. Look, Bill Not Gates told me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> the real history of music. <laughs> the 5G tower near my house is telling me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Woo. So improvise. So you, we we got a question about some examples of non-jazz improvised music. Yeah. And you came up with some awesome examples. Well, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Because I was thinking about this and thinking, I'm, now I'm not sure I know what, what we even are talking about. I think, it, well, you probably had an answer to that. <laughs> I was thinking about like African <laughs> drumming. I'm going to go off on a tangent. I'm like, wait a minute. Maybe you wanted you wanted to make a point here We first. just, no, off on the tangent. We're improvising. We just call it the podcast. <laughs> so, you know, what about like, you know, Indian music? You know, they have, mm-hmm. you know, rag, there's, there's a, you know, ragas, you know, there, or whatever the real term is and, and, and tablets and, you know, there's like a certain rhythmic pattern and then there's a certain, um, you know, scale and they're gonna, they're gonna play. They probably copy music from, I'm not, I, you know, I took world music as a freshman at Northwestern. It was a great class. I sounded like it really stuck. By (laughs) Berliner, who now teaches, you know, world music at at Duke. He's fantastic. And it was like mind blowing, but I can't remember all the different terms. And we touched just on the surface of, of world music from different cultures. And a lot of those cultures have at least uh, some elements of improvisation in their tradition. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And African drumming. I'll take your word for that. I mean, there's there's a pattern, and you have to play this pattern and don't mess up. But somebody might do anything, might, so, yeah. might choose the other pattern that's going to go with that from a set of things that they right, could right, right. So, what about the music of Ludoslavski? So, he's a Polish composer, 20th century composer. He invented this kind of notational thing that he, they're boxes. He probably had a Polish word for it that wasn't boxes, but within this box were some different musical elements that you could play around with, right? Right. You could choose from them. At, at You could, using improvisational skills, choose to combine these elements in different ways, play this element three times, maybe connect it to one of the other elements. So you improvised with the material in this box. Is that chance? That's chance music, Well, and, and that's that's another way of improvising is, right. is chance music. So, you know, Cage would do this thing where you and I and three of our friends would have radios and we would have some time times when we would turn our volume up and times when we would turn our volume down. And it was probably determined by rolling rolling the dice and choosing certain timings. I don't know, using the I Ching or whatever. <laughs> I don't 
don't know. He would do these chance things, and the music was what was ever on the whatever was on the radio at the time. You turned yeah. your radio up and down. He has lots of pieces where you play, you know, you play a long tone or a short tone during certain time periods, and then the music is whatever is happening. You know, think about a four minutes and thirty-three seconds, for example. That's the silent piece by John. So Cage. that, in a sense, is kind of improv. There's improvisatory elements because this. The pieces than whatever's happening in the surroundings. Yeah, if somebody says something or somebody walks by whistling or if there are birds singing or Cell something like that. Cell phones going off, yeah. Cell phones going off. Yeah. Anyway, but that's, you know, that's chance music. I mean, I guess that's one extreme. Well, I guess I that is know. different than improvising. But you yes. had some great examples of improvised classical music. Yeah, I'm... I'm hesitant to use the term classical, but but yeah, so um, a lot of people will know this album from the 90s um, where Jan Garbarek, who's a jazz saxophonist, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Got together with the Hilliard Ensemble, which yes. is a really famous um, Renaissance music, early music ensemble, and they made an album together called Officium. Tell us about that album. I mean, I think it was Manfred Eicher of ECM Records who was, it was his brainchild to put these two performing things together. And so Young Garbrick improvised over the top of that old music. It's pretty amazing. It's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. So there's a Swedish saxophonist I know whose name is Anders Paulsen. I've probably mentioned him before on the podcast. You can check him out on Facebook or go to his website. So he does a lot of music with um, performing with choirs, choruses, and improvising over the top of their music. Amazing Grace, um, other, you know, kind of standard sort of choral music, but a lot of pieces have been written for him too. Um, James Whitbourne, who's an English, I think, composer, wrote several pieces for choir with organ and soprano saxophone over the top, and I've performed some of them, like the Son of God Mass. Mm -hmm. Gorgeous stuff. Is that that what you did with the Duke Vespers? One of the things I did with them, and another piece I did with them was... um, Which is the one you sent me the recording of? I sent you a recording of Deep River, which is a traditional spiritual, I believe, and I played soprano sax over the top of that. Improvising? Yes. Let's take a listen to that. This is obviously not jazz. Yeah, I mean, but it's still, it's related to the melody of the tune. Right, so what were you... And over changes, right? I don't know. I didn't play the piece, yeah. too. So <laughs> tell us about, like, so as a, as a classical improviser, how is it different? You do play jazz. I play some jazz, and thank goodness I have some jazz background, and that's one thing I'd love to talk about, how important it is for 
everybody to practice playing by ear and to practice yes. making stuff up. So I did have changes. They're pretty simple changes for that kind of a choral tune, right? Right. Um, but mostly what I did was make sure that I understood, you know, this a scale that would work pretty much over all the changes, which I think you've pointed this out many times. It tends to be, guess what, drum roll, the the, the scale of the key of the piece, right? Right, right? Basically, you can start there. And, you know, I had the changes. Again, they are simple. There's two, three chords or something like that. And I figured out, you know, what notes are really kind of nice when it gets to this chord. So I did have to keep my place like a jazz player does over the changes. Wait, what? Yeah, that's what I'm doing wrong. So one of the things we default to when we're playing blues, when we're beginning to improvise, is just use the blues scale because then all of notes, all of the notes work all the time. But it is great if you can know where you are in the changes because there are certain <laughs> notes that are really cool at certain chords. But the idea isn't just to play the chords da da dee da dee da da da, but to find melodies. That, that will work over those chords because the, the melody of this piece, Deep River, mm -hmm. is obviously not just outlining the chords. It's a melody that works over those chord changes. So a good place to start if you're a classical player and you haven't worked with learning changes, and we can debate whether or not it makes sense to learn changes. I think it does, but I think that it can be limiting if you just play the changes. Right. But a good place to start is to have the melody to the tune in your head and kind of alter that. You could even start if you really can't find a better place by playing the melody of the piece by by ear, you know, over the changes. Start there and then on your second time through the changes, you could play it a little differently. Well, the, the roots of improvisation is altering the melody that existed. Exactly that, right? And um, there's a, a great book that I'm actually looking for because I... I mean, I have it. I own it. I literally cannot find it in my house right now. That happens. But uh, Lee Konitz <laughs> on improvisation, and it's a uh, multi-step approach to taking the melody and altering in different ways. Yeah. Which I want to talk about. This. So let's put a pin in that. Put that a I pin could, in that. Then I will yeah. forget about that immediately. But yeah, taking the melody, and my jazz mentor, Chad Eby, would always say, you know, like if you can't figure out something to play here, he's like, oh man, if only there was some kind of like melodic guide that would show you <laughs> how to think. navigate these changes. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, it's called the melody. He would say in his Chad Chasm voice. Yes, Chad Chasm. It's like sarcasm, but, but meaner. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, I, I uh, coined the term Chad Chasm. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> instead of and I, you know, it's like, oh yeah. So if you're ever in jazz or any genre, if you're not sure what to do, take a look at the melody if there yeah. is one. Now, there's some improvised music doesn't have a melody. Um, but the melody is a great place to start. Now, yeah. I actually remembered my pen because I have a visualization of a, of a make-believe wow. pen sitting here midair. I always forget them. So what can you do to a melody to change it? From the Let's use some nerdy classical terms. You, you could use <laughs> an inversion. Sue, what's an inversion? Oh, that's when you go the opposite direction from the so, melody. <laughs> instead of going up, you could take no, it down. down. <laughs> what about a retrograde? Oh my gosh, that's too hard to think of, but that's going backwards. What's a retrograde? Going backwards. <laughs> yeah, which should be like an inversion if the, yeah. the rhythm if the rhythm doesn't change. That's a bad example. So a retrograde, you can go like a retrograde inversions. Yeah. And so you could do this not with just serial 12-tone music. Right. Um uh, How about neighbor tones. Oh, neighboring tones. As a matter of fact, I'm making a YouTube video right... Well, not the second. I'm not making a YouTube video while no, I'm talking. No, I was going to say, how are yeah, you doing on, um, that at the same time? Neighbors and surround tones. So we can just take a melody and then, mm. you know, um, hit an... What's an upper neighbor, Sue? 
It's when you go up like da and what and what's a lower neighbor Sue? Da 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 when you go down. You know it all. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna totally quiz you here. What's an hey, es- I taught beginning theory. What's an escape tone? Oh da da da. Yes, <laughs> you go someplace. Holy, else. you escape. Yes. So I actually I had to. I will never forget today. my freshman year of college trying to remember that. And a friend of mine asked me, Wally, I was trying to the, the difference between a paginatura and an escape tone. And yeah. I said an escape tone is where you and. Uh, I grabbed a friend's arm and then broke away and then did a bigger <laughs> leap away. It's like yeah. you got to break the you break free first and then take a big leap away when you're running from the cops. Passing tone. That passing tone. No, no, no. Pajatura is a oh. leap, then a step. Correct. Yes. Um, passing. So there's a million ways you can you can da, 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 instead of da 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 da. Mm-hmm. Just fill in the notes. Morton's inverted. So there's inverted Morton's. Start there. They're easy. The or Chicago a double Put button. Put in a triller or um, a Yeah. There's the old. Um, Boston steamer uh, inverted <laughs> trill. I think you're making stuff up Nonsense. now, Wally. Is no, it true? You're not? There's, the there's really a thing? <laughs> Uganda double pass octave. There's, you memorized um, all of these, the didn't The Southeast you? Asian, um, oh, what is that one called? The, the, the Malay's double harmic. There's a lot of different ways you can alter melody. You Googled melody. those, didn't you? I just made up uh, most of them. It's so funny. No, but so there's a million, so yeah. you should look these up, but then to see how do you use them. You got another one? I do. You could rest. Say what? I know. How many times as an, a beginning improviser, I'm still guilty of this a lot. I'm like, I just keep playing and playing and playing. And I'm like, oh, wait, Sue, you could rest. <laughs> Take a little break, Cease. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, a story. Oh, gosh. Are you going to remember who this was? I'm not going to remember who this was. There's this story of a jazz player who like kept playing and kept playing. Have I told this story before? Probably. And he kept playing. And finally, at the end, the band's like, man, why did, Why was your solo so long? I mean, geez, they finally had to just come in. He's like, I couldn't figure out how to stop. And somebody said to him, it takes the horn out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Just stop playing. Stop. That that was a creepy way to say that. It puts the lotion on its skin, or it takes the solo again. Oh my so, gosh! So oh, yeah, man. resting. Oof. There's also another way to to improvise on a melodic idea, uh, um, augmentation and diminution, Ooh, rhythmically. So fancy. if the melody is la da da, you can simply da. Augment da, da. it. Yeah, yeah. In different parts of it. Diminution is obviously making it smaller. Just take some, play some long tones because it's got the root word of Demi Moore. Yeah, Demi Moore. <laughs> yeah, because well, she made her career smaller. Nineteen <laughs> nineties <laughs> Hollywood burn. Ooh, okay, so there's a lot of ways to oh do that, man. but I think you would. We both agreed the way to figure out how to do these is simply listening and then take note. But if I'm improvising and I got nothing to play because I don't want to just add like chord changes because that's the rhythm section's job. So, it's a perfectly fine thing to practice doing, but yeah. then you got to get to something that's just more interesting and more yeah, right. melodic. Yeah. yeah, and so we start with yeah. the melody, and then we can do all those fancy things we just talked about, whether yeah. it's the the Boston steamer double enveloped uh, harmonic trill or right. or whatever you want to add. That. Yeah. Well, I think, can I give a basic word of advice, which is going to be super obvious, and they're going to be like, oh, she has to have a podcast to say that. Practice playing by ear. We've we've said yeah. this before. Practice just playing stuff. And when you're warming up, just 
think of something and see if you can find it on your horn. I find for me, since I, I do sing, I'm not a great singer, but I do sing. Sometimes I'll sing something and then I'll try to find it on my horn. It's much easier for that's me to find That's a brilliant exercise. With, yeah, I yeah. think that's a basic thing. And it's actually kind of fun. Another thing I tell people to do, put on you know a record of something you like, some pop music, anything you like, and just try to play along with it. I do that more and more now just to kind of, as when I warm up, first thing I'll do, so right now on my turntable I have uh, Zoot Sims and nice. Yuta Hip. I don't know if I pronounced Yuta. I put a call out on Facebook to ask how to pronounce this German pianist name, oh, Yuta yeah. Hip, and I got so many responses, and I just kind of gave up and then just... Were they contradictory? Forget. A little bit. Oh, yeah. But well. yeah, it was a lot of helpful people. Yeah. Mostly non-saxophonists. Uh, but I'll put on the record, and then I'll just play along with and on top into yeah. like oh I think that's great to do yeah singers are really great to play along with because yes. they tend to play less fast because it's their voice you know like, you know don't listen to some baroque ornamentation or something but you know put on Adele if you like Adele put on Barbra Streisand and just play with put it. on whatever whoever's your favorite singer yeah. Eric Clapton I don't know the Bruce Springsteen whoever you like to listen to then just play along with the melody right and you know if if that's too easy for you sure move on to something else more technical but for most of us when we're beginning to improvise that's hard enough just playing yo just for playing sure a tune you know i used to put on barbara streisand and you know just play along with her you know change reads do my warm-up and try to catch a phrase or two yeah. yeah but i have to tell you these recent gigs i've had where i play soprano saxophone over a choir um they always assume a saxophonist can improvise Interesting. And they always assume that you can do some kind of gospel, quote, quasi slash jazz style. It's assumed that a saxophonist can do that in a way that they would never assume that a violinist or an oboist could do that. Well, it turns out I can because of all that school age experience playing in jazz right. band, playing in jazz combos. Um, I probably probably would have developed my jazz playing more if I had not been told at a very young age that you you can either improvise or you can't. If you can't, you're just not going to be able to learn it, right. which was a very terrible thing to be told as a seventh grade person um, in school. And also, if the jazz world during the years when I was growing up had been a little bit less unwelcoming, wait, a little more welcoming to women, right. it was pretty tough. And I know it's kind of a cutting profession anyway, so it's not it's not only women who feel like, whoa, that's a really tough vibe. I mean... My male friends have also said, ooh, I walked into a gig as the new guy and the looks were like, ha, can this guy play? So it's a little bit unwelcoming to new players. And women, I think, like I can speak for myself anyway, that was pretty off-putting. It didn't keep me from playing in big bands and wedding gig bands when I was in college and even when I was out of college. Right. But it did... You know, it did give me pause. There was one time I went uh, along with a friend who was a trumpet player. Um, I was going to go <clears throat> listen to a gig they were playing on in Chicago. And we got there and it turned out it was at a club where women weren't allowed. And so I had to go. Wait, I, what, what year was this? Oh, gosh, this would have been in the 90s. <laughs> that existed? 
Oops. Yeah. And, you know, my friend didn't know that it was going to be a, a men's club where women weren't allowed. And so I got parked at a cafe for a couple hours while I went doing this gig. And I thought, yeah, no, maybe it's okay that my main focus is classical music. But nonetheless, my experience, you know, improvising and trying to play by ear right. has been super valuable. Also, the fact that I do sing and that I like to play melodies and and that kind of thing has been really helpful. So no matter what kind of music you want to play, and I would say this for any instrument, violinist, pianist, anything, learn to improvise, learn to play, learn to play by ear. If you can hear something in your head, if you can sing it with your voice, play it on your instrument. It may have to be in a different octave, but you know, learn how to improvise. You know, there's a long, long tradition of organists, of church organists right. um, improvising. It, that's just something that they're expected to do. And, and think back to the Baroque era with um, concertos. So at the beginning, you know, all of those cadenzas, originally right. cadenzas were improvised. So I don't know where we got to the point where we no longer expected classical music musicians to improvise. In the olden days, old, old, olden days, right. musicians were also composers well, very Well, the often. conservatory model has kind of done that. You know, everyone has to have a major. I, so I are so. you a performer or are you a composer? Yeah. And composers don't really play the instruments very well. And performers have to wait for a composer to write the music. Because there's no way we could do that ourselves. That annoyed <laughs> we're me. we're too dumb. I never studied <laughs> composition. No one taught me how to put multiphonics in. You know, I. Yeah, I think it's, I think that there is a tradition of performer composers kind of coming back and look at our it pop, should yeah. our pop music i mean usually the people singing are very often the same people right. who wrote the tune there were plenty examples of songwriters who are not the performers but there's but, also a really good reason that performers should be composing because who's going to know the instrument better than because i can yeah. tell you how many people that had doctorates in composition would write a piece ask me to play it and i look at them like yeah this just doesn't work oh well tell me about like why don't i just write it why do i need you knucklehead <laughs> but you know there's there's room for composers to nah. To write stuff. (laughs) I think that a lot of the music I've had composed for me. She said married to a composer, Lee. But there's a lot of stuff that they come up with. I'm like, wow, that's cool. I would never have thought of that. So I think there's room for all of it. Of course. But of course, I think that that, um, if you feel like writing down some music, write down some music. Or if you just feel like making it up and playing it, make it up and play it. But I, I would love to see everybody who plays an instrument able to if if you're someplace and somebody says to you hey can you play something yeah just make up something yeah pick a key any and, key and you can start pick a couple pick an easy one don't be stupid and pick f sharp yeah. <laughs> pick a key and at least make sure you could improvise something that's kind of diatonic meaning within one scale right you know, a natural minor scale is a really cool sounding scale. You could improvise something in that. And you would be surprised how quickly you start to make up stuff and uh, it, and, and decide, hey, this is not half bad. Yeah. And you might just become a composer if you're not careful. Yeah. Can I tell you, a, 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 <laughs> I think I've, I might have yeah. told this uh, story in the podcast before, but I was um, hired there was money involved <laughs> to, I was in Athens, Georgia drive an hour and a half to Atlanta, Georgia to play a performance of Alvin Singleton's in our own house was the name of the piece. Oh wow. And it was for quartet. It was for saxophone, percussion, piano, and trumpet. Nice. Kind of this minimalist piece. It was modern academic. 
And um, so the um, the gentleman that was putting on the uh, performance sent me the score. Sent and you know, so I opened up the little envelope and I looked at the score, and I saw, oh, there's a big improvised section for the soprano saxophone. Oh yeah. And I was not really a jazz player at the time. I was just total straight ahead classical. So I took the theme and I looked at the melody. Finally, like okay, so I'll take a little mode, a little retro, and I made it very sparse, like the melody. And cool. but I thought, like, I had some very clever ideas of using the current material and altering it to create this very spacious solo. Cool. And then I got contacted, like maybe two days before the performance. Hey, well, I just want to touch base. How everything's going? Blah, blah blah. Make sure you got the recording. And I was like, the recording. I was like, what? And so, oh, whoops. <laughs> And I went and I dug through my trash. I'm not, this is, you can ask my wife, this is true. I dug through the trash bag to find the mailer envelope, the, the bubble, you know, the bubble yeah, lined this envelope. Is back in the day when the recording wasn't it was, an MP3, no, it was an actual this thing. This was the 19, <laughs> this was early 2000s. And so I dug through the trash and then I found uh, that the bubble wrap that the score came in. Yeah. And there was a CD. Like oh, just lying down in there, because <laughs> I just ripped open the recording, pulled out the score. Yeah, and, you of course. CD super lightweight. Good thing and you hadn't so, taken out the trash, Wally. <laughs> <laughs> let's not go there. Yeah, let's not go there. <laughs> so I, I went and and you know then <laughs> it, it was perfectly clean, sitting in the bubble wrap. Yeah, I put sure. in my CD player, and it turns out it was written for um, a quartet including Branford Marsalis. No way. Yeah. Get so can you imagine what happened when Branford got to that improvised I'll section? I bet it wasn't the same as what you came up Holy with. Holy cow. Wally pooped a little bit and had a panic attack. And because I realized, like, regardless of how clever my little spacious improvisation was, they were going to be much more expecting something of what Branford did. So then I spent, like, the next two days frantically transcribing his solo. Yeah. And it was just, it was very technical. There was a lot of diminished patterns. Yeah. Um, things that he had already obviously had kind of under his fingers. Um, and so, but then I, I kind of had to meet halfway because I ran out of time. Well, but that was a yeah, sheer moment improvise, of panic. It's an improvised section, so I would maintain that what you had come up with originally would have been okay because had it not been Branford Marcellus that recorded <laughs> it and premiered the work, who was written for maybe, but uh, a twenty, you know. Yeah. Three, four year old yeah, yeah, Wally yeah. was like, no, I would have done exactly the same thing. Terrified. Are you me? Oh my God. I just yeah. never look at that panic and saw the CD and it had like, it listed the players. I was like, oh no. Well, it's kind of cool that you found out there was a recording before you got there, although you would have had a lot right, less Right. Because now, <laughs> now I would have like, you know, in these days, you would just like Google it and find the recording, yeah, whatever. Exactly. Back then, there was not enough of an internet for. Nope. Nope. And so, yep. yeah, that was just kind of terrifying. But it's kind of cool that you got to approach it first before you heard the recording. I think that's neat because then you got and your own ideas. I will and, be honest, yeah. and if I ever, well, we need to have Branford on here at some point. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. But if, don't you ever say I said this, but had it not been him, I would have put more, I would have like said like, no, I think this is a better approach if it's better with the music. Um, but being that it was Branford Marcellus, who I'm like, question. And the answer is, yeah, is nobody. No. Yeah, but had exactly. it not been him, I'd be like, yeah, yeah there's too many notes. I'm going to go with this. I'm going to develop this, <laughs> this spacious minimalist piece. Well, and who knows what he would do with the same situation now? Yeah. You know? Probably tell me I was doing it wrong. Okay. Well, if you were doing it wrong, he would tell you you were doing it wrong. <laughs> so any other... Um, oh, gosh. Non-jazz improvisers we should... Um, 
Oh, goodness. Well, you know, what do you say about like free jazz? Do you call that jazz improvisation? Well, you just called it free jazz. So obviously it's jazz that's free. Okay, fine. So I used to play together with this percussionist <laughs> on the show Strand in Sweden. Oh, let's uh, talk about yeah, this piece. So together. tell me about this piece. Well, so we were... Well, we, or what's it called first? Martin's Melange. I enjoyed. I actually listened to you. And Did you listen to the whole thing? Good God, no. So <laughs> you're the best. <laughs> I, I've got a lot going on. Yeah, especially when I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm finally watching The Handmaiden's Tale. My students are telling me I got to watch Treme, Tresemme. What's Tresemme? that show? The, the show on it. HBO is it Tresemme? I don't know. I haven't. And seen my it. students are telling me I got to watch Downton Abbey. Oh yeah, that's great. I liked Upstairs Downstairs, so I'm sure I'll like it too. I haven't. Seen There's that. a lot of good TV, Sue. So no, I, I listened, know there is. There's I listened to lot. a lot of it and then got distracted. I recently watched Call My Agent. It's in French, subtitled. All right, let's get back onto the yeah, the, the trio. Anyway. <laughs> percussion, so, so saxophone, it's saxophone. Percussion. Anders Ostrand, who's a fantastic Swedish percussionist. Um, Mark Engerbretsen and myself on saxophones. Mm-hmm. Um. We would get together and do these trio concerts, and we had a couple of pieces written. Some were just saxophone and percussion, and some were just percussion, some were just saxophone, some were two saxophones, blah, blah, blah. So you guys but were we, really unreliable showing yes. up to gigs, is what yes. you're saying. No, we yeah. all three showed up, but we had we had to put a concert together oh, okay. combining these different instrumentations. Right. And we always did some improvisation with the three of us. And, you know, after a, you know, a couple of years imp- improvising together, you know, we... We got really good at just reading each other and making stuff up. And, you know, one of the articles I read about improvisation when I was preparing for this podcast, I know I read an article on improvisation and it just basically, anyway, that's another tangent. But they talked about how there really is no such thing as truly free improvisation because there's always some plan. It might be we're going to get louder or we're going to get softer, or we're going to get more busy, or we're going to start out really busy and get less busy, or we're going to do some ABA form. There's always some kind of framework or structure of some kind. Right. But with this particular piece, and that was usually the case with us, but with this particular piece, we were in the recording studio in Vienna, actually. Andish came to visit us. In Australia? Vienna, Australia. Yes, Yes, exactly. I'm glad we got that settled. Yeah. Um, we went into the recording studio with Martin Boehm, who's a fantastic recording um, engineer. And for this one, we said, well, let's just play. And Martin was going to play, too. So he played with various effects. So we had headphones on. Right. And he would, like, feed some effects to us. And it's always interesting to me how what the, is happening with the sound affects what you decide, what comes to your mind to play. If you've ever taken a, an electronic keyboard and had like some kind of synth sound going on, you kind of improvise something. And then if you do some kind of string sound, different musical ideas are suggested to you by that. An organ sound brings something else to mind. A saxophone synth sound brings something different to mind. A percussive thing will bring something different. Tambors can evoke different feelings and and motives. Exactly. That was very well put, Wally. So our playing was very... (laughs) He's blushing. No. (laughs) So different things that Mark... 
Martin did in the in the booth would affect right. how we responded to each other, but also to the sound that we were making because the we would f- hear. And the result is very cool. I did enjoy this. It's really, it was so cool to do that. So that's called Martin's Melange. And we just made that. That was never released or put out into the world at all, I don't think. We should do that sometime. Put it out into the world? Yeah. We'll make a video for it and stick it on your YouTube. There we go. Yeah. Uh, by the way, on YouTube, I yes. have put a link... I believe in last or two weeks ago show notes of your performance of Jenny Watson's enveloped, which is free for everyone. Yep. Um, and I've gotten a lot of really nice notes. I hope you have too about your yeah. performance of that piece. Oh, no. People have said such nice things. So yeah, you know, my mom always used to say, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. So that's what people are doing. That's very nice. Nobody said anything mean yet. Oh, okay. (laughs) The crickets. No, 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 no. (laughs) No, I've gotten a lot of really nice feedback. Well, your video is really beautiful. And then Mark did such a nice job on the I think think the end result was very, um, Jenny wrote a beautiful piece. Your playing is beautiful. Yeah, and if somebody wants those sounds, if somebody wants to have Mark's forest soundtrack, I'm sure that he'd be happy to. Let them have that. Give them the sounds of the forest. The sounds of the forest. But you can make your own. Or you can get that. Boy, I tell you, in North Carolina these days in the summer, the sounds of the cicadas and whatever the heck is going on out there at night, it is so loud. I come into my house and I'm like, it's quiet. I know. It's loud out here. Even a I, single cicada. My kids were in the backyard and they and they made a little, um, they, they found a, a cicada that had ceased oh. to be. Oh. So they made a little burial mound for it. Oh. But then they wanted to show me. So the uh, the other day, they brought me to the backyard. And they said, oh, Dad, there was a cicada and we buried it. And I was yeah. like, oh, you guys are so sweet. And then they go, but we want you to show it. So my son started to move the, the leaves and stuff off his yeah. little burial mound. And right when he got to the where it was, it went, and like and when it like and They're like so loud, yeah. he shrieked and jumped oh, in feet. It, was, it wasn't dead. No, it was, oh, it was just probably shedding yeah, its shell or something. It was like fantastic. That. Oh, that's great. Yeah, he will never forget that. They're no, loud. They're though. loud. So They're I don't think loud. in North Carolina we could do a good nature soundtrack because it would the cicadas would You'd just have to turn it down so you could hear the saxophone for crying out loud. It's so annoying. <laughs> it's so loud here. And that brings us back to improvisation. <sighs> Yes. Never improvise with a cicada. Is the point <laughs> being. Sue. So, oh my gosh, what a fun thing to talk about. Thank we can you talk for bringing for days about it. Yes, and thank you for bringing so many awesome examples in. Well, I'm I'm glad you enjoyed them. It was a fun question to get, and great question. We've got some Love more questions. Um, we're about out of time for today, okay, but great. let's put a call out. If you do have a question for the podcast, make sure and we'll man, we'll answer it. Yeah, I guess. I'll be sorry you asked. <laughs> yeah. If you want to be sorry about asking a question for the podcast, uh, email me and I will relay the question to Sue. Uh, Wally at thesaxphoneacademy.com. Thesaxphoneacademy.com. Yeah. So hope everyone has a fantastic week. Yeah. Being Monday, of course. It's Monday. It actually is Monday, Wally. It's not, Sue. It is. No. <laughs> Oh, wait, it's not. Today is literally. <laughs> I don't know. You're not even day. joking. You don't know what day of the week it is, <laughs> do you? I don't know what day of the week it is. Just for the listener to know, today is Tuesday. Is it actually Tuesday? Oh, it's, it is. It's Tuesday. I know, Sue. I'm, I'm aware of what. i going on a super secret trip tomorrow. Dun, I can't tell dun, you about dun. it. I'll tell you about it someday. Right, so when can you tell us about the super secret trip? I don't know. Trip? I'll find out. I'm so excited. I want to start blabbing, but I haven't <laughs> I told know, anyone. Me too. All right. Okay, have, everybody, have fun practicing. Have a wonderful week and go practice. Yay. Bye. Bye. Bye.